We have heard the Macedonian call today. Send the light. Send the light. Send the light. Send the light. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Send the Light podcast. I'm your host, Matt Tyson, here with my co-host, Brother Michael Bolton. Brother Bolton, we've got a special treat for our listeners today. Yes, Brother Mike Cole. So glad to have you, brother. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. It's been an honor. Yeah, we've been, I've been looking forward to this for several weeks since we've had it scheduled. We were supposed to have them on Thursday, um, but uh, Iowa hit <laughs> and we, we all got snowed in. So we're looking forward to our study today. Brother Cole, you came up to Waterloo uh, a couple months ago, a few months ago, mm-hmm. and uh, gave a lesson on, it was titled, What Do They See in Your Home? Mm-hmm. Am I right? Mm-hmm. And uh, just really enjoyed enjoyed that lesson. It was a, a powerful lesson on the godly home and the implications of it. And so, uh, brother Mike and I just thought it'd be good to a good topic to to share with our, our listeners to to kind of reiterate some things that maybe we can uh, apply in our own lives. So, really, really glad that you're here with us, uh, brother Mike. You want to share a little bit about the uh, Marian congregation and. Uh, Maybe the address, what time y'all meet. Maybe there's some listeners down in that area. Yes, we meet in Marion, Iowa, address 610 Ninth Avenue in Marion. We meet on t- on Sunday mornings at 1030 and Wednesdays again at 7 p.m. Awesome. Yeah. Always welcome. Very welcoming group of people down there. Yes. We're so glad that you've tuned in with us today. Our hope and our prayer is that we can bring relevant, important Bible topics to your attention and explore what the Bible has to say regarding those topics. If you're listening or watching and you live here with us in the Waterloo, Cedar Falls, or surrounding areas, we'd also love to have you visit with us as well. We meet at 2543 Cedar Terrace Drive in Waterloo. You'll find us there Sundays at 1030 a.m. and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. as well. We also have free resources that we can send to you. We've got Bible study courses that we can send you through a mail or even email. Uh, we've got uh, tracks and books and all kinds of, uh, of, of resources that we can send to you. We also love studying the Bible with folks in person. So uh, if any of those things interest you, uh, feel free to reach out to us on our website at www.cedarterracecoc.com, our Facebook page or YouTube channels with the handle at Cedar Terrace COC or the email address and phone numbers listed on the screen or in the podcast notes. Last week, we had uh, Brother Matt Enos on the show. We were talking about um, singing and worship to God, and that was a real encouraging uh, lesson and and, uh, helpful uh, to me and and I'm sure to others as well. This week, with Brother Cole on the show, we want to explore the question, what is God's picture for a righteous family? And that's really a big part of what your lesson hit on is just the importance of keeping those things um, in mind. Before we get too far into our study, Brother Mike Bolton, <laughs> we open us up in a word of prayer. Certainly, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the day that you've blessed us with for this opportunity together with our brothers and talk about your word and share your word and your goals for our lives with those who may be listening to us. We pray, Father, that you will help us to rightly divide your scripture. And help us to express what it says in, in, in a way that can be understood. 
Lord, pray, Father, that you'll help us all as your children to seek to have godly homes and godly relationships with our parents, with our children, and with our spouse. But we know, Lord, that you said that people in the world watch us, and they know that we love you because of how we love each other. Thank you, Father, for the blessings of a godly home and the blessings of a godly spouse. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Brother Mike, um, you've not been raised in the church, is that right? Correct. Will you share a little bit about kind of your yes. background? I was raised in um Baptist church. My grandfather was a Baptist preacher, and that's all I knew. And um, baptized at a young age, which I didn't know what I was doing. It was just... We got enough people to to make to to um, fill the pool, so I just had a lot of questions. I, I I'm, I'm thinking, okay, you got Baptist and you got uh, Methodist and you got Catholic, and I'm wondering, is everybody going to heaven? I was trying to get that question answered, and I was raised where you don't question the preacher. Imagine that <laughs> the one that's supposed to well versed in the scripture you don't question well, i mean so you, you know little things along the way as you grow and you 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 start to see things for what they're worth and i, I love my parents dearly but um i missed a lot of of truth as, as a child growing up and uh you know it's no it's no wonder the world's in the shape it's in you know but yeah i grew up in a baptist church in Cedar rapids so uh your wife, yes. Sister Kathy, mm -hmm. also a pretty nice person. Mm -hmm. <laughs> we, we, we love some Sister Kathy. Yes. Uh, uh, when y'all met, was she already attending the congregation down there, Marion? No. How did that work out? No. She grew up in Chicago, Illinois, went to a Catholic school. Now, th that that really, like, set me back. I didn't I didn't even know that. I didn't know a lot, but you know, Catholic school in Chicago. And she, you know, she learned some things, but it just wasn't it. So she was my first opportunity to share, believe it or not, um, the truth of the gospel. And she she had some questions about the Catholic religion and we soon answered those questions and she had no problem at all. Went to the water. That's awesome. Well, y'all are a, a great encouragement to to us. I'm mm, glad that y'all are in our lives and yes. uh, looking forward to what you have to share with us today. <clears throat> so a few months ago, you came up to Waterloo, as I mentioned, mm -hmm. and you gave a lesson. What do they see in your homes? Mm -hmm. uh, would you tell us a little bit about why why the title? What's significant about that title? Um. I grew up uh, being taught that um, kids are to be seen and not heard, and do as I say, not as I do, and which all these things are totally off base. And so we, Church of Christ, hosted a gospel meeting, um, I think back in June of last year, and we had uh, 
brother Glenn Osborne come up and speak to us. And he did a he he, he presented a lesson that was titled So Goes the Home, So Goes the Church. In other words, the the strength of the the home is predicated on the strength. I mean, the, the strength, the strength of the church. I'm sorry, is predicated on the strength of the home, the family. Mm-hmm. And that really resonated with me. And he he encouraged us to read um, Ephesians five, twenty um, second through the thirty third verse. And in those verses, it it described the duties of husbands and wives, enforced by the relationship with Christ in the church. And and I read that. And it, it made me question myself as if, I mean, am I upholding my responsibilities as a father and as a husband? And that's kind of what got me going on this whole thing. I think that uh, the answer, <laughs> I say this to myself, uh, more so than probably anyone else is we're never doing good enough. Exactly. Always room to exactly. to do better. Exactly. You talked a lot in your lesson about uh, obviously the relationship between a husband and a wife. Mm-hmm. You also talked about children mm-hmm. and raising children. Yes. There's passages that, that talk about the, the importance of raising your children well mm-hmm. in the Old Testament, we we read about some pretty pretty rough consequences for unruly children. Yes, um, and and I think that to me that would be encouragement to make sure I'm doing my job as a father so that my kids learn respect and you know because if they don't, it's liter- literally life or death. Yes, you know they were they were. Uh, had had death as a consequence in the old under under some of the Old Testament laws. What about today? When when you see when you're when you're at the store and and you see examples of like unruly children, parents that don't seem to I can't think of another way to say it, but don't care about their kids, mm-hmm. don't care about their futures and what they're instilling in in their lives, what, what kind of goes through your mind? It, it, it pains my heart because, first of all, there's nothing more annoying to, to me than to see that. It does no one any good. The, the child, the parent, the world, uh, reinforcing this negative behavior, it just, it, it's, it's just, it's just hard to watch. And unfortunately, we see the results of that uh, in the world that we live. Um, kids, they don't respect authority at all. Um, I talk to teachers right now that are just about fed up oh, to hear with the system. They have no leverage. Uh, and the kids know that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we, we look at the kids kind of funny, which it's really not, you know, to a certain point, it's really not, they haven't been taught. So, you know, we have to look at the generation ahead, the adults and, and, and the people that are in charge that have just not done the job. And it's it's just not a good thing. I There was a period of time where I thought I wanted to be a teacher. And I realized that 
might have to save up bill money, but <laughs> I, I, there was this opportunity to go in and teach a business class to, I think they were eighth graders. I don't remember, but they would have somebody from the community sign up for a semester. And then I would go in once a week and teach this class. Nice. And I remember distinctly there was one girl in this class that, and I don't remember what started it. She wasn't doing something she was supposed to be doing. And teachers, there there was another, there was a teacher in the room with me. Uh, so the teacher was addressing the student. And like you said, there's just no, there was no, uh, the teacher's hands were tied. The student, she ultimately was telling her, you know, she was going to be going to the principal's office and she wasn't getting up out of her chair. The class is disrupted at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, and she was just sitting there. They had the teacher, the principal, a counselor and two counselors. And one of the counselors, I remember I saw him walking down the hall, big burly guy. And I'm like, all right, now we're talking, Throw, grab her and carry her out, you know? And his size meant nothing. You know, she had no respect for him. And like you were talking about, I wasn't upset with her. She's, I don't know, 14 years old, 13 years old. I mean, old enough to know better. Yeah. But what happened in her home? Mm-hmm. You know, you talk about what do they see in your home? Mm-hmm. I had a glimpse of her home by her behavior yes 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 kids are going to be kids i you know sometimes i don't like saying that but at the same time we try to teach our girls to act you know mind your manners in public and or you know even at home but we have to be taught correct we do but that doesn't mean every time i see some some child that's acting up in public we automatically assume their home life is horrible because no. that's not at no. all no that's not realistic exactly but when there's learning opportunities mm-hmm. you know and instruct opportunities to instruct are we taking advantage exactly. of those things exactly what did that look like for you when you were growing up um when i was growing up we still had the village meaning if if i got out of line then my na- if my neighbor caught yeah. me, then it's going to get back. Did you have the two-for-one deal at school? If you got a spanking at school, yes. you were going to get a spanking? Yes. <laughs> yes. Never heard it called that. The yes. two-for deal. I'm yes. familiar. <laughs> yes. And, you know, now, you, you like I said, we, you know, as parents and, and uh, authoritarians, we have, there's no leverage. And I'm not saying that it's got to be corporal punishment or you, and sometimes that's not what it takes at all. But we have to be honest with our children. We to tell them this is wrong and tell them why. Mm-hmm. They can reason and there's got to be consequence. And unfortunately, we've, we've fallen down. Follow through on the consequence. Exactly. <laughs> That's another, yes. Yes. another thing. Yes. What about you, Brother Mike? I grew up with the two-for-one deal. The two-for-one deal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I grew up with a very strict father. Um, a little bit more given mother, but also who was strict with us, they had high expectations. Yes. And they saw to it that we met those expectations um, one way or another. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we were a little sore, 
sometimes we cried. Sometimes they cried. Mm -hmm. But we all learned together. Yeah. So there was there was a lot of uh, there was a lot of encouragement. <laughs> yes. 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 Well, the Bible speaks about you know you you spoil the child. I mean, you spare the rod, you spoil the child. Right. It's mm -hmm. it was written. It was it wasn't written for no reason. It was written for a reason. Correct. I when I was going through school, I went to a private school for the first few years of my whatever you want to call it, school years, mm -hmm. uh, sp corporal punishment or spankings, teachers giving spankings, that was kind of already gone away with. But we had uh, sentences. We'd have to write sentences. Mm -hmm. And so uh, one of, <laughs> believe it or not, I had to write a lot of sentences that said, I will not talk in class. I know, it's a <laughs> shocker. <laughs> but so if my teacher you know, sent me home with, what? what's the book, was it a lapel, or the book where your parents have to sign off on the instruction or whatever, there's a book we had, and like, it was basically for communication between the teacher and the parent, okay. they'd write a note in this book, send it home with the student, and the parent had to initial that they mm -hmm. read it, and then you turn the book back in, well, if you got, had to write sentences, that was going in the book, you know, Matt is instructed to write 100 sentences I will not talk in class mm -hmm. so my parents had uh, kind of the two for deal where if I had to write sentences well I had to write the sentences obviously I got a spanking and then my dad as many sentences as I had to write you know if I had to write 200 times I will not talk in class I was also in addition to that going to be writing 200 sentences saying I am sorry for talking in class <laughs> Love it. So kind of kind of the, the reinforcement. Yeah. Yes. Discipline is not a bad thing. No. What are some examples of discipline, kind of putting us on the spot, discipline in the scriptures that led to good things? Mm -hmm. What comes to your mind, Brother Mike? Fulton? <laughs> I was just sitting here thinking, and I can't remember where it's found in Proverbs, but Solomon writes that the one that loves his child mm -hmm. will beat him. I mean, that's the old King James Version. Beaten, of course, is frowned upon, and rightly so, as, as we understand Nobody that term. Nobody here. <laughs> as we understand that term today, uh, in the King James era, that had different connotation. Um, but... Scriptural discipline involves uh, a spanking and, or maybe other types of, of punishment. You know, you sow what you reap, what you sow. So I think the first thing that comes to my mind as far as discipline is that passage in the New Testament where God says that He will discipline because He loves us. Mm -hmm. He loves mm -hmm. us, and so He will. Uh, correct us. Mm -hmm. He doesn't spare the rod in a very figurative sense. He corrects us. And, and throughout Scripture, we're given uh, opportunities for discipline, uh, even as adults. Mm -hmm. The church can discipline a wayward member. Mm -hmm. What's the purpose of that? The purpose of that is not abuse. It is not to be mean or to be ugly or to even demonstrate authority or, or power. The purpose of that is to restore yes. the fallen brother. Yes. 
And when it comes to church discipline. Yes. So the passage is Hebrews 12, verse 6, for the Lord disciplines the one he loves and yes. chastises every son whom he receives. He loves them. Yes. His son. Paul tells us in the first letter to the Corinthians, uh, or the second letter to the Corinthians, brother, that brother was disciplined. He is restored. Oh, yeah. yep. Now forgive him. Mm -hmm. So, you know, Ready the now. whole purpose is for restoration. Yes. And I think the whole purpose for disciplining children is to restore them to the good path. Mm -hmm. Now, I've heard it said also, and this is true, I think we'll all agree, that discipline without relationship yeah. That's good. equals rebellion. And I think, you know, in our busy days, we, we don't, you know, we don't take the time to bond with our, our kids and and to, to reason with them in, in a way that, you know, scriptural, scripturally. And so they just think, I mean, they just, they're just not getting that connection. Mm -hmm. But it all starts, you know, with the head. Yeah. The father. That's powerful. And, yeah, uh, convicting, mm -hmm. convicting. You were talking about discipline. I remember I used to drive a school bus up in Waterloo and the routes were given based on seniority. So the one who, in fact, I just, I remember there were two ladies who have been bus drivers for forever before buses were invented. They were still <laughs> bus drivers, you know, they had the choice route, you know, and they had the, there's a Catholic school in Waterloo and that was their route because you know, it was a private school. They did have a little bit more um, as far as leniency, as far as discipline and, mm -hmm. and things like that than the public school system had, from my understanding at the time. But it was just known that those kids on that route, they were good. They had known these drivers forever. They, you know, it was just a good, good mm -hmm. route. And so that was their route. I was a new guy. <laughs> I had East Side, Waterloo. <laughs> The the year prior to me starting, well, so I had the choice of two routes. Then they were both the two worst routes in the district that that I was told. I had the choice of which route, and I picked the route. And one of the ladies in the office was said, "You you might want to reconsider." And I said, "Why is that?" And they said, "We went through seven bus drivers last year on that route." Bad side. And. You know, kind of hot shot and that. I'm like, you know, kid gonna push me out of a job. Are you kidding me? You know, uh, I'm not a bus driver anymore. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I left under my own free will. But I had asked around and had gotten some advice. And and the advice that well, the first couple days were horrible. Like they these kids did not listen. They're jumping. They're throwing. They're literally cutting the seats open with knives and sharpie and on the walls and mm -hmm. inappropriate stuff going on. Like just, it, it was horrible. Like, and I was like, what in the world? And I could not get control of this bus. And one day, I think I was only like three or four days in, I just parked the bus. I lit middle of the road. I parked the bus, put the brake on and I called my supervisor and said, you've got to come out here. Like I, I cannot focus because these kids are just driving like it's unsafe. And she came out and she got on that bus and her, uh, like she just commanded 
the attention of those kids. And she, but what it was, was like, she came on there and I wouldn't say she yelled. She had to yell because of the size of the bus, the mm-hmm. number of kids and stuff. But she got control of that bus. And, and she was so hard. I was like, maybe that was part of my problem is I didn't realize like how hard I had to be on these kids. Mm-hmm. And she was, and we got through the day, everything was fine. And that just really impressed on me. Like, okay, maybe I just need to kind of turn the heat up a little bit. Mm-hmm. So I just, I became drill sergeant. Like I was, I was so like, I wouldn't say I was mean, but I was strict. You get on the bus, you sit down, your knees inside the aisle, boys on one side, girls on the other. Like I just, and, and, for a couple of weeks, the kids just like, they hated me. They hated me. But you know what? We were getting through the routes. Yes. They were listening. And I remember a couple uh, a couple weeks after I had left, and there were some really neat signs. One of the one of the, the young boys, it was middle school, he was kind of a little bit of a troublemaker on the bus. After maybe a month. He started giving me a fist bump when he got on the bus in the mornings. And this is the same boy who I had held back. They had a free period when they first got to school. And he was acting up, so I'd hold him back on the bus while the kids went to their free period, and he'd clean the bus. He'd wipe <laughs> the windows and stuff. And that was one of my, like, punishments oh. or whatever for if they were acting up, mm-hmm. you know. A few weeks after I quit, I ran into a couple of the the troublemakers on the bus and they ran up to me and gave me a hug and they said, man, we miss you, Mr. Matt. Wow. And I'll never forget that. Like, and it really taught me, I think kids desire discipline and structure. Yes, they do. They may not tell you they do. Yes, they do. And, and yeah, that just really impressed that Mm -hmm. on me. And it's sad because a lot of these kids what do you see in their homes? Mm-hmm. And it's heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. Yes. And unfortunately, you know, there's kids having kids. And they, number one, they don't know how to be a parent. And number two, a lot of times they, they, they're looking for a friend more than, a, you know, they want their kids to be their friend. Mm-hmm. And they don't want to parent them like what it takes to, to, to raise a, um, a proper, you know, with good discipline. I'm reminded... Of, I hope you don't have this planned out. We when when we talk about baptizing children, sometimes we'll bring up mm-hmm. Ezekiel eighteen verse twenty: "The soul who sins shall die. The son shall not suffer for the iniquity of the father, nor the father suffer the iniquity of the son. The righteousness of the righteous shall be upon himself, and the wickedness of the wicked shall be on on himself." We use that sometimes when we're talking about. Um, the Calvinistic doctrine of inherited depravity. I think that also proves that you are not a product of your upbringing or you don't have to be a product of your upbringing. There are people out there and I have relatives that fall in this category who maybe their parents displayed to them that they were not the priority. They were, maybe there are kids who were abused kids whose mom or dad left the home, mm-hmm. ran off with another man or woman or whatever, like all that kind of stuff. That does not mean that you also have to fall into that. You can, you can do better. That's absolutely correct. That is absolutely correct. I'm glad to hear you emphasize that 
you just used an illustration about when you were driving school bus uh, and you made a comparison. I'm not, I've not been in Waterloo long enough to fully understand where everything is, but about uh, one route that's full of good kids and one route that's a good kid is virtually impossible to find. Um, but now we're making the point that even if you grow up on the east side in Waterloo or on the streets in Chicago, basically, mm -hmm. that doesn't have to be who you are. Correct. That doesn't define who you can be. So true. So true. That kind of leads us, we're talking about children, kind of leads us to talk about the parents mm -hmm. and the importance of godly mothers and fathers and husbands and wives. Mm -hmm. What did you, in your lesson, you kind of touched on that. Were there any anything in that lesson that you feel like you would want to share with our audience on the topic of the importance of godly husbands and wives? Um, yes, the, the lack of it is just so detrimental to, to the world. Um, my dad was kind of a hands-off kind of guy. He, he, he thought his whole duty was to go to work and support the family in, in that way. You know, but he, my mom was more the disciplinarian in our house when I was growing up. And I, I'm thankful for her for that. But, you know, the roles were, you know, they're skewed when you, when you line it with, with, with the Bible's way. And I, I just didn't have a lot of that from, from him in particular. But again, you know, we had that village and I had grandparents who kind of stepped up and, and uh, took on some of the responsibility. But it's just, you know, we have to be taught as kids. We have to be taught. It just, it's just the way it is. We didn't, I mean, it's, it's no magic. It has to be instilled. Mm -hmm. It breaks my heart. Like, literally, you know, there have been times that tears have been shed over this. Just how how much the world has lost the significance and the, the, the positive aspect of marriage. Mm -hmm. We've taken the benefits of marriage and have just thrown them around, you know, the, the love, the intimacy, the benefits of sharing life with another being of the opposite sex. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we've just taken that, we throw it around like it's not special. Mm -hmm. We've taken away the significance of a home with a mother and a father. Mm -hmm. There are some very scary statistics. I wish I would have looked it up. I, I really regret it now. Uh, maybe I'll find the link and put it in the podcast notes there's some statistics of prisoners and the types of homes that they were raised in mm -hmm. of an alarming number of prisoners were raised in homes that did not have a father figure. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I believe that breaks my heart mm -hmm. yes. because, and, and women are guilty of it too. I don't want to mm -hmm. like, I'm not 
trying to say it's all men. There's certainly both parties in play. But you have been, you know, the 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 role of the man, like that's a that's a role that God has given you. Yes. You need to uphold it. Yes. I need to uphold yes. it. Like, this is not me preaching at people. Like I'm literally thinking of thing areas in my own life as a husband and father where I can improve. We have to recognize that children are a blessing from God mm-hmm. and that as the father of those children, I have responsibilities. Yes. And that may mean that I have to be selfless instead mm-hmm. of selfish. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a big reason why, number one, why fathers leave homes is selfishness. Mm-hmm. And why divorce happens is selfishness. So true. So true. you got any thoughts, Brother Mike? Watch. <laughs> Share. Please do tell. Um, so Genesis chapter 1 and 2. Uh, God gives us, through the pen of Moses, the story of creation. And we read about how God spoke into existence the stars and separated by speaking words the dry land from the water. And he separated the day and the night. And by speaking, he brought forth the plants and the animals. But then he created man, and when he created man, it says he formed man of the dust of the ground. That involves, the, the verbiage there indicates that there's more involved than just mm-hmm. him speaking. He was intimately involved in the creation of Adam. Mm-hmm. So humanity is the chief of God's creation. Yes. That was God's whole focus the entire week that he was working. It's almost as if God was practicing with the other things for this chief of his, you know, this idea that he was creating. Yes. And then Genesis 2 tells us uh, that after God created man, he made Adam fall asleep and he created woman from a rib from man's side. And, well, let me read. Um, beginning in verse chapter two, Genesis two, verse twenty-one, the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam, and he slept. And he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh in its place. Then the rib from which the Lord God had taken from man, he made into a woman, and he brought her to the man. And Adam said, "This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife." And they shall become one flesh. Do we realize what God has created right here? I mean, we see Eve coming in in all of her beauty and glory, representative of all the women in the world today who are beautiful and glorious and, and wonderful. But I think we miss sometimes what God's actually created here is the family. Mm-hmm. How precious is that that on the last day of creation, he creates the family. Yes. And when we're talking about the importance of a marriage and sticking together, to add to that, Matthew 19, verse 6, So then they are no longer two but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let not man separate. That's powerful. That is. That's very powerful. So we could, 
there, there's so much that we could talk about and unpack here. Yeah, you know, there's obviously the aspect of the marriage, and there's obviously the aspect of parenthood. But I think that positive parenthood or good good parenthood starts with a good marriage. Mm-hmm. That's the way God designed it. Yes, and man, mankind can make the choice because God's blessed us with free will to do things differently. But statistics show, statistics show, and like I said, I will I will try to find some of those and include them for our listeners. I'm not just making this up, I promise. Um, I really wish I would have prepared those statistics. Children that are raised in a home with a mother and a father are end up in a higher economical status they end up with fewer psychological, emotional uh, diagnoses mm-hmm. than children that are raised in single-parent homes. Mm-hmm. I'm not making it up. It doesn't surprise me one bit. And, and I think it's because God designed it this way, yes. and he blessed this way. Yes. We can do something else, but we can't do something else and expect God's blessings. Mm. You know, brothers, I'm, I'm not a marriage counselor. I've I've done it. I'm not good at it. I'm not qualified for it. Um, but I, I've I've done it. I've done some premarriage counseling. When I do premarriage counseling, the few times that I've done it, again, I'm not hanging out my notice that I want to do this. I am not qualified for this. I tell people the secret to mine and April's marriage is love God first. Love God first yes. and let that inform your relationship with your wife. You hit on it a few minutes ago, Matt. We cannot be selfish, the husband or the wife. We cannot be selfish. It's not about me. It's about her, in my case. It's about her. It's about the children. It's not about me. It's not about my comfort or my pleasure or what I want. But it's the focus is on them. Just like Jesus said in Ephesians, I think you referenced it at the beginning, brother, in Ephesians chapter Mm 5. Christ is the head of the church and gave himself for her. Yes. Look at what he gave for her. I think that... Selfishness, I I believe, is a huge, if not if not the biggest cause of divorce in America. Mm-hmm. I think though, the Bible says it's more blessed to give than to receive. Yeah, and and I think that could apply to marriage. Where <laughs> perfect example, and I'm thankful for my wife. Um, we have both had periods of selfishness that we had to work through Mm -hmm. and uh, especially early on in our marriage, um, those first few years, it was very difficult. A lot of hard lessons, a lot of tears trying to work through recognizing how selfish that, that, you know, how selfish I was Mm -hmm. and she would likely say the same thing and, and working through those aspects. We had plans today. Ashley wanted to go skating um, after we get wrapped up, 
here in our visit. Uh, and I was all for it. I, I enjoy skating. I had a rough night at work last night. Didn't get much sleep. Pretty tired. And uh, a nap sounds pretty good, you know. <laughs> and uh, so th- th- it was an opportunity to where I could be selfless and say, you know what? I'm just going to go skating. I'll sleep when I'm dead, you know. <laughs> like, I'll, I'll sleep eventually. Um and then she also has the opportunity to be selfless and say, I recognize that, you know, a two hour nap is going to mean a lot to him rather than two hours of skating. And we can still spend some time together tonight, you know, so we both have the opportunity to show selflessness. Yes. We also have the opportunity to show selfishness, mm-hmm. but ultimately one of us is going to have to, like, we have to make a decision on who, and that's where I think the whole, it's it's more blessed to give than to receive. That does not mean that I can never be the recipient of her selflessness mm-hmm. and that she cannot be the recipient of my selflessness. And I think that goes, you know, decision-making, you know, it goes into uh, raising children and things around the house, um, intimacy, you know, yes. like it can go, you know, so many different areas where it's okay to be that recipient of the other's selflessness. Mm-hmm. We just can't let that become the pattern or the, the habit. Mm-hmm. Great point. So along the line of selfishness or selflessness, how much do we listen to each other? Not enough. I mean, I'm saying that oh, myself. Yeah. I, will, I second that. I'll second that too. I mean, but that's involved in, in that. When you mentioned making decisions about, I don't know, business things, about uh, various, you know, schedule keeping and things like that, we need to listen to each other's needs and desires and take into account situations of health and and work and things like that. And yes, sometimes it may be that we allow our our spouse, and I say it that way because it works both for the husband and for the wife to give up their whatever it is they're wanting. But there are times when we say, look, it's really not about me. It's not about what I want. This is the goal, first of all, to love God. Mm-hmm. First of all, to be godly mm-hmm. in our relationship, in our home. Going back to the significance of marriage in the godly home. I think that, and this is a conversation that Ashley and I, we didn't have to have this conversation because we both were raised with very similar values. Is divorce an option? You know, Ashley and I had some pretty, I mean, really, really bad times with money when we first got married. I was a very different person. Um, than I am today, thankful to, to God and, and to my wife. Mm-hmm. Um, I struggled with money. I struggled with, with honesty. And uh, I, it, I feel like it was an addiction. I had a spending addiction, mm-hmm. and I was not exercising it in a healthy way. And I also didn't understand, and we've, we had an episode on topic of money a few weeks ago. I didn't understand how much God had to say about the topic mm-hmm. of money. And he says more about the topic of money mm-hmm. than anything else. Mm-hmm. And so we had some really bad times. There was a night that I left home. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were we were arguing, 
and it was it was my fault. You know, I was I was being selfish. I think we'd been married for about a year at the time, and uh, yeah, I just left, and um, she had called my dad. My dad had called me, and then she had called her dad. Her dad had come over. Um, you know, not the not the highlight of mm. of our marriage by any means. Sure. And and we we've talked to other young couples. Um, had we not have been Christians, like I have no doubt that that potentially could have led to divorce. Mm. Um, we were both angry and upset and emotional. But we knew that divorce wasn't an option. Like it just—it's—it's it's not an option. Mm-hmm. Um, murder, you know, <laughs> divorce was not an option. Right. We both knew that. I wish that more people went into marriage thinking divorce is not an option. Whatever. I mean, we we make marriage vows. Mm-hmm. We say no matter what, mm-hmm. we're going to go through this. Mm-hmm. As God is my witness. Yes. And then after the honeymoon, we forget. When times get hard, we forget. Mm-hmm. You know, there's an old saying that says, um, um, stormy seas make skilled sailors. And mm-hmm. because divorce is not an option for my wife and I, it will make us stronger. Yes. Absolutely, brother. Um, <clears throat> that is so true. Unfortunately, the world doesn't see it that way. And I don't know what the divorce rate is, but it's it's up there. Alarming. It is. Alarming. It's alarming. And, you know, so what does that do to the family? It's It just destroys it. Yes. Uh, once again, another tactic of, of the devil. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yep. destroy like you said in in brother Glenn's lesson you know destroy the home destroy the church yep yeah and and it's sad it's sad very sad you had talked in your lesson you had made reference to the four Ps mm-hmm. would you share that with us I will um you know relationships are are, are they take work and um it's it's a great commitment being married, and I just just had some four four points here that I thought would would help to maybe save a marriage, keep it on track. Um, and it is very basic, very fundamental. But I just want to I'm just going to read it for you real quick. Number one, be present. Um, there are times when when a husband and wife may have to be separated for whatever reason, work or whatever, even for an extended amount of time. That's that sometimes uh, happens. But we should do everything we can to guard against that. Um, because, you know, old Satan, he, he, he'll want to plant that seed of separation and, and uh, you know, have us, like, get used to it, to being apart. And it's just not a good thing for, for, for the family. Um, so it's important that that we that we're present, and not only physically but emotionally, spiritually. I mean, we have to be, we have to know each other like that. So I think that's important, being present. Uh, be protective. And I look at the husbands more when I talk about this point, um, just because as a husband, we're typically 
you know, built for, and maybe take the proverbial bullet for, uh, you know, our wife or children. But it's, it's, it's more than that, you know, because, you know, you think about technology, the world we live in and how, how, how much access our children have to, to whatever on the television or cell phones. And so we have to be on guard for, you know, we have to protect them from, from what's out there that they're emotionally not equipped to, to handle. Um, but you have to be present for that to happen. And so, you know, it's not only physically, but spiritually and emotionally, we have to protect our families. You, you said something I, I just remembered. Mm-hmm. Some people refer to Paul as a, uh, as a misogynistic or, you know, a sexist. Mm-hmm. Yes, the Bible teaches that the godly wife is to be submissive to her husband. Uh, the Bible says in Genesis, as, as the result of the fall, that the man will have rule over the woman. Mm-hmm. And it does, you know, list out these responsibilities. The man's responsibility was to go out, provide for his family. The woman's responsibility is to care for and take care of the children in the home. And, yes. uh, you know, these things are listed out in Scripture. And some people may look at that and think, you know, that's just sexist, that's misogynistic or whatever. There is one uh, one preacher that said, w- women who follow that pattern are the most loved, respected, protected women in existence. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's so mm-hmm. true. Mm-hmm. So true. And, and I think that the a lot of that is on the man to, to understand his role. Like yes. He is not, he is not. Uh, you know, the whip cracker yes. or anything like yes, that. You exactly. Know? Like Some you tyrant said. that, yeah. you know, you will do this, you will, I mean, a love, uh, a certain love that would want her to do that. You know, she desires to do that, mm-hmm. to please her husband. Amen. Yeah. Um, and then, be positive. Focus on your spouse's strengths as opposed to their weakness. Um, Encourage rather than criticize. I mean, just all common sense stuff. But uh, pray for your spouse instead of gossiping, gossiping about them. <laughs> Learn and live what Christ teaches about relating to and loving one another and others. Be positive. Maybe because one day, and if it's the Lord's will, we will grow old together. You know, me and my wife. But we know that um, our day will come, and one day the doctor is going to come in and say it won't be long. And so, what's you know, what's that going to do? You know, I'm going to be emotional. You know, I'm losing my wife. Um. So I'm gonna, I, I want to tell her how special she is to me. You know how she, if it wasn't for you, I wouldn't be the guy that I am today. All those things. And unfortunately, we wait until those times before we share that true love and emotion that we have for our wife. So, you know, we want to we want to let them know that, you know, I care about you. Um, you know, so be positive. You know, um, I think most of us want our flowers while we can still smell them. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great point. I remember reading something uh a year or two ago, 
it said, why do we always wait for the funeral to talk about how special this person is to mm -hmm. us? Whether it's a friend, a coworker, family member, yes, you know, like we we take we take people for granted, yes, big time, and yes. you know we take our spouses for granted sometimes mm -hmm. too. Yeah, sad but true. So, um, and then be playful. You know, have fun. You know, go skating. Uh, you know, find something. <laughs> so that you're saying I'm being selfish, or wanting to take a nap? Thanks, thanks for the mic. Appreciate it. <laughs> There's more to the story. <laughs> <laughs> but those are things that you know that you know we 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 can think about to kind of help help things uh, stay exciting and 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 not be dull you know not get dull and keep our marriage strong mm -hmm. you know but it's all about following following the pattern that we have you know life's got a rhythm you know it's got a pattern and this this book right here is is it that's right I think about a job you know people. And I've been guilty of this too. You start a job, it's new, it's fresh, it's exciting. And then over time it gets less exciting. You're like, oh, but this job over here, like, oh man, you know. <laughs> I know where you're going. You go through these periods of you lose the excitement for that job that you have. But with longevity brings rewards. Yes. You're seen as more of an expert in things. You get, you know, hopefully get pay raises mm -hmm. and benefits and you maybe get more authority mm -hmm. or, you mm -hmm. know, there's benefits to sticking it out. Mm -hmm. Even though, yeah, it's not flashy and exciting, longevity pays off. Yes. How is this? Yes. You know I'm getting yes, at. Yes, I you do. Know, it's so I do. I easy do. to lose sight of the excitement, your marriage, and... Like you said, and, and I'm still learning this myself, but you know, we can choose to put excitement there. Yes, yes. We we sometimes for whatever reason think grass is always greener on the other side until you get there. Mm -hmm. And then typically you're bringing this garbage from this part. Yes. Oh man. Over to the new to the new you know, it's yeah. So yeah, sticking it out and, and it, persevering. Once again, selfishness. Mm -hmm. Um you know. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What do you got, Brother Mike? I'm just listening, learning. So ultimately, what is it that you hope that those that may be listening takes away from this conversation? I'm asking, you know, both of y'all. Um, to take it for what it's worth. To start, uh, to, to get a good pattern, number one, you know, make sure you've got the right pattern, the right ways of uh, going about the marriage. Uh, and it's all written. We, we can, you know, we, it's all written. So, that, I mean, that's a, that's, you have to start on, on firm ground. And, you know, unfortunately, you know, we're getting into relationships and marriages that, you know, we meet them online and never spend any, you know, we don't, and it's just, you know, the instant ratification and it, mm -hmm. it, it just doesn't, it just doesn't pay off typically. Um, so do your due diligence. Um, and, and really the only thing that the, the best advice I can give is to go by the pattern. That's if it's worth having, it's worth waiting for. Yes. Worth working for. Yes. You certainly can't. Do better than the pattern that God has given us. Mm -hmm. 
So that being said, it doesn't matter what your history is. Maybe you come from a broken home. Maybe you have had a broken home. God is the healer. Mm-hmm. If we go by the pattern, he will heal. Yes. If we have the proper view of ourself, proper view of our spouse, proper view of him, we can find that healing in our marriage relationships. And what a precise thing that works for Matt or for Brother Mike doesn't necessarily work for Brother Mike. Yes. Meaning we have different ways of going about it, but the principles, Mm -hmm. the precepts that are found in this book, those are our guides. Those examples that are there are therefore our learning and our admonition so that we can glorify God together. Amen. I think a lot of the instant gratification that you're talking about, and and this is, I can only speak for the period of time that I've been here on this earth, but there's so much, just so much centered around sex. Mm-hmm. That's, that's mm-hmm. everything now, mm-hmm. you know, maybe it was when y'all were growing up too, but you know, it's certainly the access to it. I feel the, the access to it to, you know, with, with the, how easy it is to access pornography, mm-hmm. um, how open people are with their sexual lives now and the intimate details of such, how people just, there's no significance to, I mean, I mean, if, if somebody finds out that somebody's a virgin anymore, it's like, oh, like, what's wrong with you? Yeah, like, yeah. you know, it's it's not, to yeah, it's many people, it's sad. not special. Um, I think that, you know, we have to remember that there's God's ways, there's God's way, and there's man's way. Mm-hmm. And God's way, you know, people may call it old-fashioned, but... There, it wasn't instant gratification, you know. Marriage, marriage was the requirement for those uh, intimate benefits, you know. But when, when sex is in its proper context, the context that God placed it in, it's wonderful, wonderful. And and that really, really bothers me. Uh, and I'm pretty outspoken about it when when people bring it up about the how how marriage is boring or uh married sex is boring and i'm like mm, missing the point yeah absolutely mm-hmm. you read about the song of solomon and the intimate nature uh that it it brings forth and and there's different things that you can kind of take from it but the the i mean just when things are in the context that God placed it in, mm-hmm. it will be blessed. Yes. And when we take it out of what God placed it in, it, it's a curse. You know, it, it's no, it, it is not good. Mm. And great point. Yeah. So, um, with talking about sex and intimacy in your lesson, you had made reference to the idea of going all the way. Mm. As we kind of close out our study, I wanted to end on that and kind of hear from you what what going all the way is to you. Well, I'm I got a few years on you, brother Matt, and even a few. 
Hey, y'all pick on me about being young and stuff. I, 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 I still love him. Though. I take it. So. I still love him. Yeah. Um, but going all the way, at, when I was a kid, young, you know, going to school age kid, meant that girls and boys were being intimate. And like you're saying, it just takes, it takes the beauty away from what sex was designed to be between a man and a woman, a marriage, a man and a woman. And uh, unfortunately, when that cycle is, is, I mean, when you get that initiated at that young age, I don't, it's, it's really hard to, mm-hmm. to recoup what it really means. And it, it's just unfortunate. We, and we see the results of that, you know, in, in society. But going all the way, the real going all the way, is following the pattern, getting married, you don't have a lifetime commitment between a man and a woman. I want to say that again, and I'm not, between a man and a woman, and it's all written, we know this, procreating, it's all written. There's, there's, There's no joy like it. Have you had an opportunity to see that and have somebody that you could look up to? I have. I have. There's a couple, um, brother and sister Becker, and we just lost her some months ago. She passed away. And I think they were coming up on their like 70th wedding anniversary. I think it was the week she passed away. Yes. And, um, it is it, it was just it's just such a joy to to watch that and how he was with her through thick and thin he was his his hearing was kind of um getting bad and and she had a hard time you know talking you know her weakness but they always understood each other you, just to look at that was just it just brought you know just brought so much joy to my heart you know and i've seen it up close and personal that's what's going all the way to death do you part. Yeah. That's exactly the worst that I was thinking. Yes. So death do us part. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I remember um, a brother, brother of ours, the brother Don McCord out in California. Mm-hmm. He lost his wife some years ago. And I think brother Chad Cranfield said this at, at sister Becker's funeral, grandma Becker, as we call her. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but Brother Don McCord said, if I could, but he said this at a gospel meeting. He said, if, and I'm going to try my best to quote him. Uh, he said, if I could but stand on a pedestal and reach up and grab your hand to bring you back down to me, I know you wouldn't want to come. And that's what, what Brother Chad said at Grandma Becker's funeral. You know, 70 years, mm-hmm. 70 years that you were with this person. Mm-hmm. Your life has changed. It's completely different, mm-hmm. you know. But yet she doesn't want to come back. Mm-hmm. You know, she wants you to come there. Yes. But she doesn't want to come back. Yes. And that's special. That's special. That's special. Well, any thoughts before we close? I mean, this is a topic we could obviously probably talk about all day. I think to me, I'm thankful that I do have examples. My parents have been married 
about 30 years. Um, Ashley's parents have been married 20 something years. My awesome. We, we do have some divorce and in our, that's, that's plagued our family. And I say that, uh, some people disagree with how I say that. And I'm sorry. I, I just, that's the way I see it. Divorce is never good. Mm-hmm. The divorce is never, never good. Never. And, um, you know, so I do, I say that the divorce has plagued my family. Um, divorce has probably plagued your family. Yes. Um, I mean, everybody has been plagued by divorce, but I'm, I'm glad that my, my parents, my grandparents, um, they've all been married one spouse their whole life. What a my grandparents just recently celebrated their 60th of both sets, 60th wedding anniversaries. Um, so I'm thankful for that and other examples yes. that I have to look up to. Yes. And it's important to me. I'm fortunate. I was raised in a God-fearing home. I love my parents. My parents uh, gave me more than I deserved. I want to do better. Mm-hmm. And they would want me to do better mm-hmm. as well. And so I'm thankful for uh, especially the the men in my life that have um, helped me do that and have called me out. Mm-hmm. whenever there have been times that I needed to be called out. Yes. And, you know, I'm thankful for that. Thankful for you guys. Absolutely. Thankful for you too, brother. You as well, brother. Any words before we close? I'm going to have to start grabbing the Kleenex here pretty soon. <laughs> <laughs> I've been fighting tears back already, so. I'll say this, and it's an old cliche. I don't, I don't know who quoted it, but it said something like, If you think you can, or if you think you can't, you're you're both right. Yeah, it is. It's about an attitude. You know, you have to you have to trust and and be positive in in life. Yeah, I think uh, I was just saying, you know, I want to do better. Like you just said, you know that that's a choice that I have to make. Mm-hmm. Hey, this this is a question. I guess that I would I would leave with our listeners, are your kids worth it? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Whenever I think about when, when I'm having frustrations at home, you may be frustrations with my wife. Um, you know, are my kids worth being selfless Mm -hmm. and are my kids worth doing better? Mm -hmm. And are your children worth the effort Yes. of working towards having a godly family, a godly marriage, a righteous marriage, a strong marriage. Yes. Well, I will say this, and then, then I'll be done. <laughs> but I certainly I certainly believe that you think they are, and uh, bless you for that. And I will encourage you in any, any way I can to to help you keep on keeping on. Because, you know, when, when I reflect on my own situation— I lost, I wasn't there like I should have been for my, for my kids. And you can't get that time back. I, 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 I'm on a nature trail a lot and I'll see, uh, especially when I see a, um, a guy, you know, he might have pushing a, a stroller, you know, just him and his, his baby. That just, that just warns me. Yeah. That just brings tears to my eyes almost, you know? Um, so yeah, we have to seize our opportunities. It's, we only get 
one chance at it. Let me say this. <laughs> this is something my wife will also quickly correct somebody on as well. If you see a, like you were talking about seeing a guy with a stroller pushing his kids, he is not babysitting that kid. No. We we went out, oh, a group of, group of guys went out down in Kansas City, and uh, the wives had gone out to a, a some girly, girly movie, Jane Austen or something. <laughs> but so the guys and the kids went out to eat, and the waitress came up and said, Oh, look at all you dads babysitting the kids. And we all just looked at her and like, No, we're being dads. Thank we're you. not babysitting our kids. Thank you. And uh, so, yeah. Well, Brother Mike, thanks so much for making the trip over here. And thanks for having me on the topic. And very encouraging. I've learned a lot. Me too. We're so thankful, um, obviously, to have Brother Mike with us today, and we hope that you've been encouraged by this brief conversation on on the topic. If anything in this episode has sparked questions regarding parenting, uh, marriage, salvation, Christian living, or any other topic, please reach out to us. We are happy to share with you uh, more on this topic. We've got other uh, very qualified brothers and sisters in Christ that, that we know, that we all worship with, that are more than qualified, perhaps in some ways more qualified than us at times, to, to talk on, on this topic. And I know they would just love to do that. If not, there are other passages of scripture, there are other resources, books, there are plenty of books that are great encouragements. Um, and obviously we cannot find a substitute for God's command in the word he gives us and in Holy Scripture. Uh, So reach out to us. We'll be happy to address your questions um, with the Bible as our authority. Tune in next week for another episode of the Send the Light podcast, where we discuss relevant, important Bible topics and explore what the Bible says regarding these topics. Once again, if you're listening or watching and you live here with us in the Waterloo or Cedar Falls or surrounding areas, we'd love to have you come worship with us. We meet at 2543 Cedar Terrace Drive in Waterloo. You'll find us there Sundays at 10.30 a.m. and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. We also have free resources we can send to you, Bible study courses by mail, and obviously we love to study the Bible with folks in person. So feel free, please feel free to reach out to us at our website at cedarterracecoc.com. You can find our Facebook or YouTube handles at cedarterracecoc.com. Uh, or the email address and phone numbers listed on the screen or in the podcast notes. I'm your host, Matt Tyson, here with our co-host, Brother Michael Bolton, and our special guest, Brother Mike Cole. Thanks for watching, and if the Lord wills, we'll see you next time.